NASCAR fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Welcome to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy. You can call Team Penske driver Will Power a two-time NTT IndyCar Series champion as the driver from Toowoomba, Australia, clinched the 2022 season championship with a third-place finish in Sunday's Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey. It all fell into place for the driver whose first IndyCar championship was in 2014. Power entered the weekend, leading the tightest five-driver fight for the championship since 2003. Only 41 points separated the top five, and Power's two closest pursuers, teammate and two-time champion Joseph Newgarden and Scott Dixon, a six-time NTT IndyCar Series champion, were just 20 points behind. The other two drivers were Marcus Erickson, this year's Indianapolis 500 winner, who was 39 points out, and Team Penske teammate Scott McLaughlin, 41 points out. The 41-year-old power entered the weekend needing to finish third or better to claim his second career title if either of his two closest pursuers for the title scored the maximum 54 points in the race weekend. But during Saturday's pole qualifications, Newgarden's number two Chevrolet hit one of the curbs in the corkscrew section at WeatherTech Raceway at Laguna Seca, and the car was stuck with the nose of the car touching the asphalt, but the front wheels off the ground. That brought out the red flag, and per IndyCar rules, Newgarden lost his two fastest laps and was also not allowed to advance out of the first group. The incident also kept Dixon from putting down a lap fast enough to advance out of his group. That meant Newgarden would have to start the race 25th and Dixon 13th. With his two biggest title contenders unable to line up higher on the grid, Power went out and broke Mario Andretti's record for most career poles with 68. More importantly, Power gained one bonus point toward the championship. In Sunday's race, Power got a clean start and led the first 12 laps in the race, earning another point for leading a lap. Power would go on to lead 17 laps in the contest, but Newgarden would not give up. Starting in the back, he passed cars like they were parked and was soon in the top five. Another driver on the move was Chip Ganassi Racing's Alex Pillow, the 2021 NTT IndyCar Series champion. Although Pillow qualified fifth, his team was hit with a six-grid position penalty for changing engines after qualifications. That meant Pillow started 11th. But it was obvious Pillow had the best car in the race. He passed Power for the lead on lap 27 and would go on to lead a race-high 67 laps. 
On lap 46, Newgarden passed Powers number 12 Verizon Chevrolet for second place. But Pelot was over 12 seconds ahead at that time, and Newgarden could never close the gap on the leader. Powers settled in to run a mistake-free race and finished third. Pelot defeated Newgarden by a whopping 30.3812 seconds, and that sealed the championship for power by 16 points over Newgarden. Later in this episode of Pit Pass Indy, we will have an in-depth interview with the 2012 NTT IndyCar Series champion. But first, let's hear from the race winner, Alex Pelot, in this exclusive Pit Pass Indy interview. Joining us now in Pit Pass Indy is the winning driver of the Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey, Alex Pelot, the 2021 NTT IndyCar Series champion, you finished the season with a victory for Chip Ganassi Racing. It was an ass-kicking because you finished, you won the race over to Joseph Newgarden by 30 seconds. How did you do it, especially starting from the 11th position? Thank you. Um, yeah, it was an, an, an easy weekend or an easy way as it may look now looking at the results. But um, I don't know, man. Um, we just worked so hard because we, we thought that we were missing some on the long runs um, and this morning on, on warm-up uh, changed some stuff and, and we were super happy. So um, happy that we made it work even starting from 11th. Um, I'm a bit um, shocked that we won by that much. To be honest, our car was on rails and this place, if you have a car that you can be um, comfortable and you can push and be consistent, it, it pays out. So. You qualified fifth on Saturday, but you had to start 11th because of the six grid spot penalty with the unapproved engine change. Uh, what was it with the engine that needed to be changed? Yeah, so we didn't expect. It was not something we had in mind, but uh, there was an issue during qualifying between Q2 and Fast 6, and we had to change it just to make sure that we were going to be able to finish the race today. So glad that HPD called that before uh, anything bad happened um, because otherwise it could have been a really bad day instead of one of the best days of the season. What was the early part of the race, the key moment that was able to get you from 11th up to the lead? Yeah, I think I was super comfortable on the blacks at the beginning. Um, I knew I had to overtake McLaughlin and uh, Rosenquist on the same tires as me. And then basically um, I saw that our pace compared to Reds was really good. So um, I just started banging on good laps, constant laps. I knew the car was capable of being close to the red tires um, and we made it happen. Then when we put on the red tires, we were uh, miles quicker. And then once you took the lead, what allowed you to build up such a gap over second place? I think uh, having clean air made a big difference today and we were trying to take advantage of that. When we went on reds, I was able to push uh, as much as I wanted uh, and still keep the tires, which is, it was super important to push, but not exceed too much. So we're not killing those tires. Going into a very uncertain off season, how important was this victory for you? It's always important. A victory always puts everything a bit easier. So yeah, I, I hope that we can get everything as resolved as quickly as possible. But to be honest, we're going to enjoy the, the win that we got today. It was important for me, for the team. So um, yeah. Alex Polo, driver of the number 10 NTT Data Honda for Chip Ganassi Racing. Congratulations on the victory in the Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey. Good luck this offseason, and hopefully we see you back in 2023. Thank you, for sure. 
We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. And now let's hear from the champion. It's Team Penske driver Will Power. I had a chance to meet up with the two-time NTT IndyCar Series champion the morning after he clinched the championship at the Portola Hotel overlooking beautiful Monterey Bay. Here is my exclusive in-depth interview with Power, the 2022 IndyCar champion for Pit Pass Indy. Joining us today on Pit Pass Indy, it is a real honor to get a chance to call you a two-time NTT IndyCar Series champion. It's Will Power, who basically ran what I would say was the perfect season to win a championship for you. Although you only had one victory, you had nine podiums, you ran consistently from start to finish. Did you think a second championship was achievable, say, two, three years ago, when things may not have been going as well as they had for you in the past? Uh, you know, uh, in 2020, I had amazing pace and we kind of almost had the yeah the ability to win seven races and uh, seven times we've seen great positions to to win, but but uh, so yeah, I would say for sure I was always there trying to win another championship. But um, this year, yeah, it just all all fell together really nicely. Very consistent. Uh, finished every every lap of every race and. Um, yeah, one of one of my I can't really think of a season like that that I've had in my career actually. Do you think earlier in your career the attitude was basically winner else? 
that uh, you were going to get a championship by one of the most races, leading the most laps. And uh, the problem with that is the risk versus reward is very high. I would say that I was, I, I, up until really recently, much more disappointed with, you know, fourth places. If I didn't get the win, it would really uh, get to me. And um, now, you know, it's a, a much different approach as, you know, settling for second, settling for, you know, fifth place. A lot of things play into that, you know, the way, way season starts, which puts you in a hole, which then you're more willing to take a risk on strategy and, it wasn't just simply me overdriving in any way, really. As if you go back and look at the history, there's a lot of <laughs> lot of mistakes that were out of my control. When you go back to the early days of willpower, it was such the highs were very high and the lows were very low. And was there a point where you basically said, "I've got to level off this roller coaster ride of emotion"? There was, uh, yeah, many. I mean, we always reflect on every season with my engineer and and to try, that was exactly what you say out. Our bad days were just too bad. They were just, you know, DNFs or, you know, 20th place finishes instead of, a you know, 11th or 7th or, you know, something that was, you know, not terrible. <laughs> There's a lot of champions that say there are days where if you have a third-place car, you settle for third place rather than risk it and try to make a third-place car a race winner and end yeah. up into the wall. When did you come to that realization? Yeah, it wasn't like – to me, it hasn't really been that because the car is – you know, rarely do I have – you know, I feel like I almost always have a car that's capable of winning – so it, it's just been other circumstances, strategy, and you would say my men, my uh, mentality. If I get shuffled back with a fast car, maybe there's some frustration in that, and um, and you might make a little mistake, or yeah. But it's not. It's yeah. If, if you go back and look at the years we've had, it's not just a straight up. I'm taking big risks or making mistakes. It's it's a combination of. A lot of different things. When you won the title in 2014, I think it was one of the more memorable championship celebrations. Uh, you wore the top of the Aster Cup on your head like it was a, a helmet. Uh, you had a great time celebrating in Los Angeles. Then at Team Penske um, came along a guy named Simon Pagano who started in 2016. He won a championship uh well, he came in 2015, but he won a championship in 16. But then this kid named Joseph Newgarden arrived and won two championships in a three-year period. Is that when you started to think, you know, I need to start winning another title here? I think I was always thinking that. Always, like, you know, I turned up to every season very determined to win a championship. Um uh, yeah, I, honestly, I've just been working on that since 14. I've been working hard on trying to. I had a, you know, had some issues in 16 and 17 with just health, and that was a problem. So those years, I really was just trying to survive. I wasn't even wasn't even going for a championship. I was just trying to just finish races. And yeah, but after that, after 18, I, I got a lot better and. 
But when you see your teammate out there celebrating another title, yeah, I mean, what was the reaction? Yeah, I mean, was it just kind yeah, of happy yeah. for him? But like, yeah, no, not happy yeah. for him. <laughs> yeah. You're not really, honestly. You're really disappointed because you've got the same equipment, and yeah, no, that's you're right. Like, yeah, you see, see, uh, you know, teammate come in, win a couple of championships. It really. Uh, it motivates you, and it's disappointing because you know you just measured off your teammates. So it uh, it has improved me. Just having tough teammates improve you. Simply. So if you're measured off your teammate, what was your reaction yesterday when you knew Joseph was back there starting twenty fifth, and then all of a sudden, right when it was getting into the decision time of the race. Here he is battling you for position for second place. Yeah. And actually passing you. Yeah. No, that was at that point, you know, you, you're thinking you have got to give it everything you have to to maintain the position you're in. You know, you knew that it didn't matter if he passed you necessarily, but if you keep him behind, it makes the job a lot easier. Uh and and yeah, so it was um it, it was – I had to dig deep like I really did. Like that stint where he pulled 12 seconds on the same tyre. I think it was on the same tyre. But the next stint we put tyres on and suddenly I was quicker than him. So it was very strange to us. Um, and it was strange to me that, yeah, there's a bit of variability in the tyres there. At that point, even though Joseph's your teammate, were you starting to become an Alex Polo fan because he had oh, such a huge lead? Big time. <laughs> I yeah, I wondered like what was going to happen there with Alex, but yeah, no, he was Alex was on another level, man. It was solid, and uh, yeah, when when the team said Alex Polo's got a twenty second lead on Joseph, I was like, okay, this is this is making it a lot easier on me. Uh, and then you know, as it slowly wore down the laps, I'm like, okay. This is looking pretty good. Did you at any point yesterday expect that Joseph would be back at the front before long? I did, yeah. You know, but after that first sequence when I came out a whole pit stop ahead of him, still I, I pitted and came out ahead of him, I thought, you know, that that was good. If it stayed green, it certainly was going to be hard for him to make that up. But when I went yellow and they said Joseph in P5, I, I knew he'd be coming. I knew it. And the thing is, uh, you've been in positions before where one one little mistake over the entire weekend can really help determine a driver's fate in a championship. For yeah. Joseph, that happened in qualifying. Yeah. I mean, could you feel for him for that, or, or was it just kind of something like, Saturday was a magical day for you, too. You got you broke Mario Andretti's pole record. But in a lot of ways, it had to be a little bit of a shocker that Joseph – had his issue in qualifying. It was, I'm going to say, it, it definitely took the pressure off in that first round when it's like, well, Dixon's out and Joseph's out. Of so, you know, I was pretty pretty focused on getting the job done either way. But, um, you know, that's that's big big pressure off. Yeah. So then it's just all about getting pole position to give yourself the best chance to lead a lap, which makes it even harder on those guys and. Um, yeah, that was that was a you know, critical point where you really didn't want to make a mistake. You know, you didn't want to put yourself in that position. But honestly, I, I would 
it would have been interesting to see how the race played out, even if, uh, you know, Joseph had got through. I would have been, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe he gets pole, maybe he doesn't. But if he's in the top six, it's in some ways a little bit easier race because you're 100% just queuing off him instead of sort of wondering what to do. And he has the same tyres as you as well. So he had a bunch of tyres. That was my worry going into the race. And he also had your old race strategist, Tim Sendrick, on his race strategy. Tim was on your uh, radio back in 2014 when you won. He took over your car midway through 2010 and was there until Joseph Newgarden arrived. Knowing that Joseph had a guy like Tim Sendrick, who was probably one of the best guys at seeing everything in a race develop. Yeah. Did that concern you in any way? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Tim is Tim is one of the best strategists on pit lane, and um, that's tough, man. He's 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 pretty smart. He knows he knows the game well. So um, you know he's in a tough position because on one hand he's got to do the best for Joseph, but on the other hand he wants the team to win the championship. So he doesn't really want us to uh, you know obviously take each other out or compromise a team championship so he, to me he has a very tough role ron razuski told me last week that the strategy meetings are a little interesting especially when it comes down to a championship because the kyle boyer and ron razuski and and tim will meet and he says if they ask you what you're going to do you oftentimes don't want to necessarily tell them yeah and do you notice that? Do you notice when, say, Kyle's holding back on everything that he might have found with Scott McLaughlin or Tim might be holding back everything he found about Joseph <laughs> Newgarden? That, yeah, that's uh, interesting. I didn't even know they'd have a meeting and say, what are you guys going to do? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to to say that you want to hold some stuff back because it is a competition and you are racing your team teammates for for a championship and points and race wins. So it makes it it makes it interesting. You know, I think it's good healthy competition. Uh, that yeah, I'm sure sure you. I mean, it's it's usually pretty obvious what someone might do. You know, based on their position and. Where they qualify, but yeah, on what tie they choose to start the race on. But on the other hand, you have a secret weapon named David Faustino. He's been the only engineer you've worked with in IndyCar, isn't he? Yeah, apart from 09, yeah. Yeah, oh, 06 and 09. Yeah, and to have him, drivers change engineers throughout their careers. Yeah. You haven't, and why is that? I mean, I've just I've been lucky with Dave. You know, we uh, we we hit it off straight away in '07. He very similar attitude to me, um, very determined to win. Works extremely hard. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, he's came, he's been at three different teams with me. Um, so yeah, we're definitely a good combination, and it's been a great partnership over these uh, 17 years, or 16 years actually. Or, yeah. So it's his IndyCar championship number two, but Ron Razuski's first calling the race. Yeah. And, you know, he says he's been on lots of different championships, doing lots of different uh, things as a swing guy. 
but really the first time that it was the guy that he was calling shots for that, that won the title. And Ron's been in the game a long time, and to give him a championship, how important was that? Yeah, very. Uh, I was very happy to have Ron. You know, he's pretty calm on the radio, pretty easygoing, and I think he works well with uh, well well with Dave. So really, really happy to get a championship for both those guys. You know, and you know, for Ron to get his first as as a strategist. So you're an older, wiser willpower. Uh, you said your championship was going to be celebrated by having some green tea. Yeah. How was the night of the championship? <laughs> I did have some green tea. Um, invited the guys, uh, you know, they came up and had a few drinks and had some nice uh, chats, conversation. And, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was the celebration. We'll, we'll do something more when we get back to North Carolina. But, um, yeah, it was a good good night. And what does the rest of your championship week look like? Uh, yeah, going to LA to to do a bit of a media tour, and then um, obviously have that the banquet next week. Um, oh, is it this week? The victory this, lap in Indianapolis that, yeah. on Saturday. Is, that, is this, this Saturday? Yeah, yeah. This coming yeah, Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's kind of it. And then I'm really hoping to get back to Australia. Do you have dates planned for when you can go to Australia? I'm trying to get uh, trying to get Hoffers to let me off uh, off an appearance to to be able to go back to Australia after the banquet. And also, did you have you? What was Roger Penske's reaction? I know that he's a little detached from the team now that he yeah. owns the entire IndyCar series and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But you told me uh, last week, as a matter of fact, that when you do something for when you win for Roger. It's like doing something for your dad. He has texted me after every race this year and encouraging encouraged me. Uh, and I really felt like he really wanted me to win this one just based on his, his messages and, you know, chatting with him, you know, when I see him on the race weekend. So I think he was, yeah, he was obviously extremely happy for the team, but I think he was really happy for me to win the championship. And wrapping up here with Will Power, a two-time NTT IndyCar Series champion. I guess the next thing you want to duplicate is an Indy 500 win. So does that become now the biggest priority on the uh, checklist? It's definitely on my mind after the last three years. Yeah, definitely, definitely a race that we need to, you know, get right next year. And to get a multiple championship puts you in a completely different level of IndyCar Series driver. And yeah. You know, you've got 41 victories. You're the all-time pole winner, a two-time champion, and an, and an Indy 500 winner. Those are Mount Rushmore Motorsports numbers, if you ask me. It is. Uh, I've been very, very fortunate to have driven for that team and have those numbers. Um, and uh, I did have that in my mind that I didn't want to just be a one-time champion because there's a lot of them. And also, you've had to beat guys like Scott Dixon, and Dario Franchitti and Joseph Newgarden and a whole list of other great drivers. So the talent level that you've had to win championships against, you put it up against any other era in IndyCar history, and it's really strong. It is, yeah. When you look at the the, the current group, it's, man, your hard stretch. You're not going to find a series in the world that's as tough as that. Will Power, once again, congratulations on winning the 2022 NTT IndyCar Series Championship. 
Enjoy the celebration. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Awesome. Thanks, Bruce. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy. We want to thank our guest, 2022 NTT IndyCar Series champion, Will Power of Team Penske, and Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey race winner, Alex Pillow of Chip Ganassi Racing, for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin, and final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.